60% of British people with a vulva cannot properly annotate, label one. They don't know what goes where and what does what. And 60%, and that was so shocking to me because we're supposed to have been taught this stuff, right? We're supposed to have gone through this in school. We had one lesson, they tick the box. We go, yeah, we know what that does. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Sasha, your host of the BBXX podcast. So I wanted to introduce a bit of a new series of interviews we're doing. While the coronavirus pandemic has presented us with an infinite number of obstacles, it's also presented us with an opportunity. And while we can't go outside, We are being invited to look inwards instead, to connect, to reflect, to learn more about ourselves and to recognize how much our relationships matter more than anything else. And I think that is probably one of the most beneficial lessons that we can learn from all of this. And so as we're faced with this obstacle and this opportunity, we've decided to launch a series of Instagram live interviews to help us stay connected to you, connected while we're at home, and while we're all having this fascinating global shared experience. We're launching this series first, but we're also planning some other exciting content releases from short format audio to more casual discussions, as well as some IGTV videos. So be sure to tune in on your preferred platform or how about just all of them? So stay tuned for announcements on the BBXX podcast and stay tuned on our Instagram at bbxx.world. And if you don't already, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter where every week we send out tons of amazing content recommendations, the show notes for all of our interviews, a Q&A article, and lots more. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to bring you today's interview with Hanny, the founder of Gash Trays, a sex positive ceramics company who creates the most beautiful works of art celebrating the human body. She has vases in the shapes of penises and vulvas. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to check it out. And more importantly, you should join us for a virtual body positive ceramics workshop we are doing on Saturday May 1st. We're calling it Sex Ed and Ceramics. And while I will be diving into some of the really, really fascinating research about creativity as an aphrodisiac, the relationship between sexuality and creativity, Hanny will be leading all of you through the process of taking a ball of clay and turning it into an amazing handmade sculpture of your own body. And yes, when I say your own body, I mean your body's most intimate parts. Regardless of your genitalia, if you have a penis, a vulva, whatever you have, whatever you want, you can create a work of art celebrating yourself. And this is super profound because art is therapy. And there are so many studies that show how we can express ourselves differently, non-verbally through expression, how we can dive deeper and really better understand our relationship with our own body. And this workshop is just going to be such an incredible, eye-opening and empowering experience that I would really invite you all to be a part of that you will be missing out on if you are not a part of this. That without a doubt can be extremely beneficial to any and all of us. 91% of women and 40% of men are unhappy 
with their bodies. And that is because culture has bombarded us with messages that distort our views of our beautiful selves. We are coming together on May 1st in this workshop to put up a mirror to ourselves, to re-examine our relationship with our bodies, and to not only reshape clay to create a work of art celebrating our bodies, but to reshape our own views of ourselves, our bodies, and our sexuality. Be sure to reserve your spot now, because if you order by this Sunday, April 25th, you'll order in time to get your special air-dry clay craft kit shipped directly to your home. And no worries, if you order after that, we can always send you the list of materials to buy on Amazon, at Michael's, or wherever on your own. But be sure to reserve your spot now to get your discount and everything you need to participate in this transformational experience. So again, join us May 1st to spice up your life, to spice up your home decor, and to have the most fun you've had all pandemic. Grab a friend, grab a drink, and join us at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Saturday, May 1st, for a transformational experience. Visit our website or check out the link in our Instagram bio and reserve your spot now to get 15% off with the code BBXXLOVERS. That's all caps, BBXXLOVERS, one word. Don't miss out, and I hope to see you there. Thanks again for tuning in. Today, we are going to be joined by Hanny from Gash Trays. We are going to be talking about all the amazing artwork, the intimate artwork, talking a bit about creativity, sexuality, the relationship between those two things, how to use art as a therapeutic tool. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How about you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, today we'll be talking about the awesome work you do and a bit about our event, but mostly I want to use this as an opportunity for people to get to know you as Hanny and what has brought you to where you are today doing this amazing work. And for everybody at BBXX, if you're not familiar with gas trays, take a look at Hanny's profile. It's amazing. It's good stuff. We're going to be doing a really, really exciting, tintillating event partnership coming up with a kind of get your hands dirty, dirty minds, dirty hands, clean conscience, processing your own relationship with your body through creating a sculpture of it. And so I'll talk more about the event. I don't want to spill all the beans yet, but it's going to be amazing. And we're getting ready to launch that. So everybody should be sure to come to that to check it out. But yeah, this is to get to know you and to give everybody else an opportunity to better get to know you. So I would love just to start out for people who might be tuning in from BBXX who aren't familiar with you. I would love to have you first describe what you do in your own words. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Hanny and I run Gash Trays, which is a sex and body positive ceramics line. So I use my sculptures and my platform to discuss topics of sex education and period poverty and body positivity. And yeah, for, for me, it's just been sculpting very candidly and it's just led to this like sex positive world and just snowboard yeah and how would you what's the story of how you came to where you are today doing this work well it's not the most noble story i just started with um a ridiculous pun the, the word gas trays yes could you explain the word gas trays because in yeah. the united states it doesn't mean anything yeah. it means ashtray with a g in front of it yeah so in the UK, gash is like a disgusting slang word for vagina. 
most common i don't know you've probably got a us version actually um used a lot in betweeners which was like you've got a us version of that i believe but just um really used by like teenagers and it's just shitty slang basically but yeah and then uh, i love a pun i love a dirty pun and so whilst trying to think of how to make a birthday present for a friend of mine who was a heavy smoker i was like gash braids genius a million pound idea and um a million pound idea <laughs> and um yeah i did that and i just foolishly like put it on instagram and was shocked by the amount of people that wanted their own and liked the name <laughs> and it's so funny how much the name is a selling point to a lot of brits especially but i love that it's lost in translation to many people i quite like that but yeah so just playing with the absurdity of these like these bizarre words that we use to describe vaginas or vulvas or whatever we've got so many in the uk like minge like all these awful like and they're all different that's so funny so strange but i think we have far fewer descriptive words like that for penises which i think is quite interesting i could do an entire talk just on language i am a language (laughs) and communication nerd for people tuning in we've got all kinds of amazing interviews on our podcast that go a bit into it's all about kind of the relationship between culture and language and Mm. how that shapes the way we think and therefore the conversations we have because of the way we're thinking or even the words that we have to serve us in those conversations, Mm -hmm. which in turn shapes all of our behaviors Mm -hmm. and reinforces Mm -hmm. the culture that we're all a part of and help creating and can admit that is very unhealthy. But the bad news is that we're a part of it. The good news is if we're a part of it, we can change it. And so Mm -hmm. when it comes to language in the US, at least, there is not a positive slang word for vulva or vagina. Mm. All of them are negative words, you know, oh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say, you could be like, stop being a cunt, you're such a pussy, all of these things, they're bad words, they're insulting. Mm. And so it's like, even if you're not one who uses those words, you're hearing them and there is no chance that you can spend your whole life with that association, cultural association of a part of your body with something negative, that is going to shape the way that you think about it. Not to mention all the just even more pornographic and and negative things that essentially make fun of and are being used actually to refer to that part of your body versus refer to something else. And then sometimes you'll have these other words for penis or whatever that might be positive and negative, but Mm -hmm. there's actually a word in Spanish, but it's only in Chile. I spent two years living in Chile and they say la zorra, and that is fox in Spanish, which I love because it's kind of like foxy. And it's only a good thing to be like, oh, la zorra. Like, that's amazing. In other places, it's in other countries, Latin America is actually a very foul word. But there, it's like, that's amazing. That's the best. Yeah. And there's no negative connotation for it. So I've always wanted a t-shirt that has like a little foxy fox. Right. And it says like la zorra. And people, yeah. the translation would be lost like ashtrays. But That's I mean, the, the the words that we're using shape our thoughts and vice okay. versa. And so I myself was part of this. And this is why BBXX is so much about culture, realizing, wow, my whole life, I have subconsciously been influenced in such a negative way because people think, oh, if we don't talk about this, parents, for example, if we don't talk to our children and give them this information. I don't know how to talk to them. Like, it'll just be neutral. They think, oh, they just won't have that information. But no, culture will fill in all those gaps with inaccurate information, with unhealthy information. Culture Mm -hmm. is powerful Mm -hmm. and it's not in the right hands. Yeah. And so I love what you're doing. It's taking something and making it ironic and taking that (laughs) same negative thing and kind of flipping it over on its head and i always love humor as a good way to go about change oh it's this it's it's a definitely like a fine a fine line like some people really drive with uh yeah. sarcasm and irony but um there are some people hate it they're just like yeah gosh yeah <laughs> um but it's like like in the gay community for example like so so much language has been used to oppress gay people like words like queer or yeah. queen Seems and they, it's been claiming, such yeah. 
yeah it's been such a journey of reclaiming that language and I think yeah when done right it can be powerful and it is hard sometimes you know it is hard I know certain words in English that some people do that and that I still can't find myself relating to or because of what it still stands Mm. for in certain circles it's been reclaimed Mm -hmm. and positive but in the vast majority of circles it's not and so it is difficult but so you created this first gas tray as a joke and you mentioned, you said, I was so surprised when I posted it and there was this great reception to it. I don't feel surprised though, because I just feel like it says how much people needed something like this, how much people needed an outlet. So would you tell us a bit about kind of what the response was to that, that yeah. first gas tray? Well, I, I did it. The first one I made in 2014 I think there's been like a major shift now there's so much like vulva positivity and representation has been a lot better since but I remember at the time it was people found it to be very provocative and I personally don't find I don't think I'm quite a very provocative person (laughs) Um, but that's probably just because the house I was raised in but yeah you're right there was the desire for it at the time people were shocked to see that kind of thing just the idea of just visualizing a vulva outside of outside of sexual context, just day to day, having it just in your home was shocking to a lot of people. And that in itself was such an interesting reaction and something that I really grasped onto. Like this is clearly this is clearly a deep thing for a lot of people. Why are we so shocked by seeing this body part that fifty percent of the population carry around with them every day? Like mm-hmm. So from that, I did a bit of research and it's like, I'm so bad at retaining statistics, but it's like, there's like a shocking percentage of women who've never even looked at their own vulva. Yeah, it's and a majority. It's, it's something like that. It's wild. Yeah. 60% of British people with a vulva cannot properly annotate, label one. They don't know what goes where and what does what. And 60%, and that was so shocking to me because we're supposed to have been taught this stuff, right? We're supposed to have gone through this in school. We had one lesson, they tick the box. We go, yeah, we know what that does. But it should be a continuous conversation. It shouldn't be just ticking a box one day when you're 13. You're never going to remember that. And I just think it's a real crying shame. So I just saw that there was power in, in representing this body part. It was starting conversations whether people disagreed with it, whether people agreed with it, it was that conversation that was so interesting and valuable to me. So, yeah. I find that everybody is often nervous to start these types of conversations Mm -hmm. and they think they're the only one with these questions or these problems or these concerns, you know, questions. And all it takes is starting the conversation because everybody, and I always tell people, you're not one of everybody you're one or you're not like the only person you're the one of everyone who is waiting to have this conversation and it's crazy how when you just create the space for it everybody opens it's like people are exploding waiting to talk about these things and everybody sits there thinking I'm the only one or no one wants to talk about this and the problem is there are no spaces but once you create them Mm -hmm. the magic it's incredible to see how many people need, want, and are just craving to have these conversations and be parts of these spaces. And so I love how that just kind of proves wrong this theory that we're the only one or Mm -hmm. that people aren't all the same in the end. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most important lessons is that you're not alone. You're not the only one in creating that community behind these types of movements. And you mentioned this kind of making it an everyday thing or taking it out of the the sexualized place. And what I love, what came to mind is that you're creating these everyday items that, you know, you can put up on your wall. Somebody might come over, they might see this gas tray or this tile up on the (laughs) wall or this flower vase. And in a way, it's kind of this everyday thing because it should be, it should be something we're we're used to and it shouldn't be this crazy or unknown or hidden away thing. And so in a way, normalizing it and making it something more casual, but at the same time, this balance, what I love about your art is that it's also art. And so you're creating like this beauty and almost this celebration Mm -hmm. and making something special of it. And so that combination of like, this is approachable, this is casual, these casual, these are 
our bodies, mm-hmm. like this is an everyday, 50% of the population, like you said, walks around with this every day. And so making that approachable yet celebrated artistic and beautiful representation of it. Thank you. That's so nice. I think it's a great, <laughs> great balance. So you mentioned the, the house that you grew up in and your family mm-hmm. and how that's been a part of this. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. <laughs> uh, well, I wish you could meet them. They're a full bunch. There's just been never any shyness around nudity ever. <laughs> My dad is always naked still. Um, he's always like trying to trick us and like putting his bollocks on the table and just being like, <laughs> and, like he finds his body so funny. And when you can be so candid like that, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, I am shocked by people's reactions and I am shocked that people find it so provocative or take it in a sexual way because to me, the body has just always been so hilarious and fascinating. It's just so fascinating to me. And also with my mum who in 2017 had a double mastectomy, she got breast cancer. That was a real, that was another turning point in our family of openness and being just aware of each other's bodies. I really worked with her while she was going through this because obviously that's quite a a big change when you look at yourself in the mirror to have that change. And she was a lingerie model when she was younger. Mm. So I imagine that must have been very challenging for her. But since then, we've just spoken so openly, like she gets her scars out all the time. Now, of course, it's a process, Mm. um, but she's really just like jumped into this, like this new phase of her life. She's proud of her scars now. And just that positivity around your body and not the idea that you're less or even comparing yourself to anyone else. Mm -hmm. It was more just celebrating her scars and the beauty of these scars as well. Like the beauty and the uniqueness, like it's so difficult to, I think it's quite difficult to explain because I'm sure a lot of people will, like when I will do the self portrait workshops, for example, a lot of people will um, look at themselves and consider these wrinkles or um, this mole to be a flaw. I guess my family has helped me to see that these aren't flaws. These are, this is these are like your fingerprints. I was literally just thinking of fingerprints because I was like, how do people think if up to your fingers have this unique pattern that nobody else in the world, how do you think any other part of your body, let alone the most complex and most unique Mm -hmm. part of you is going to look like somebody else's? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's just the the body's just always been so fascinating to me in a really funny way. We're just weird little bags of goo. (laughs) And I enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) That part about scars and appreciating your own scars and seeing the beauty in them and whether they're physical scars, emotional scars, we all have scars and they're Mm -hmm. such an important part of defining and have shaped who we are. And there's this concept I love from uh, this woman, Nadia Boltz Weber, who wrote this book called Shameless. And we actually have a podcast episode coming out with her soon. And she talks about how without scars, we don't have texture. There's nothing Mm -hmm. to hold on to. There's no story Mm -hmm. behind us. And the scars give us that not only help people understand who we actually are and those experiences that have shaped us, but give people something to grasp onto, to get to know you, to actually be there with you and give us texture. So that sounds like an incredible and a a unique, at least for most people, (laughs) experience that you had growing up and the hilarity of the, the human body, the humor and entertainment behind that. It reminded me one of my best friends who actually lives in the UK now, she talks about how I remember I was once interviewing her for something for BBXX and she said, I mean, all sex is, is you're just taking your parts and like shoving them inside (laughs) of each other. You know, at some point you've got like fluids that you're putting in there. Like sex can get weird. It's gotta be funny. If you don't think sex is funny, like you are doing it wrong. So I totally love that part about needing to incorporate the humor into things. Oh, I wonder if this is what your American terms for this queef do you know what queef is i do do you laugh at a queef i mean 
I, when I hear the word, I definitely laugh. <laughs> the absurdity of it (laughs) i think all of these things you have to have humor whether it's talking about it but at the same time making sure the humor is positive humor and Mm -hmm. acceptance yeah that it is threaded with acceptance rather Mm -hmm. than rejection or condescending tone because I think a lot of times this stuff is used in a humorous sense and people will laugh or be like, oh, that the way this looks or this feels or that sounds, you know, what happened. And the humor is coming from insecurity. There's one type of humor that comes from insecurity and being afraid you don't fit in. So trying to bring other people down to make Mm -hmm. sure you feel better about yourself because you are insecure. And there's a type of humor that comes from like, shit's weird. We're all weird. We're bags of goo. Mm -hmm. And like, this is awkward, but I don't give a shit and I'm having fun. And I know who I am and I feel good about who I am and very secure about who I am. Mm -hmm. And this is a space where I can laugh, you can laugh. And we can actually create intimacy through that humor and the connection that that honesty, acceptance and security creates. And that is magic. That's the place. That's the good stuff. That's the place. Yeah. It's really just leaning into your insecurities, I find. Like that whole thing of like being self-deprecating or whatever, and you make yourself the punchline before anyone else can find a method. I guess that's maybe that's what I've done here, but like you lean into them so far that you can kind of that I yourself halfway. Exactly. That I love it now. And also just the you've got to know that everybody else has these insecurities. Everybody else has these feelings. And it it takes a lot to say it out loud. It takes a lot to admit that. And it's not for everyone, but it can really plant a seed in people and getting them to think, oh, she said it. Maybe it's okay that I've got it, whatever. Starting that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Opening it up. Mm -hmm. I think that's key. It's funny. Something that came to mind is, a long time ago, I took a class on accents and the way that you learn an accent is you go all the way. Like the most, the strongest version, the most extreme version of that accent is the easiest to learn. And then you tone it back and you learn to refine it. And that's where you can really like lean into and master the everyday real version of that accent. And so it kind of reminded me of that. You just go in all the way. You almost make it comical, right? Yeah, you, you, yeah. you make it big. You make it extreme. Mm -hmm. You just force yourself. It's hard to crawl out of your comfort zone. You Mm -hmm. just jump Mm -hmm. and then you might, you know, walk back to where you feel comfortable and where you can kind of get your legs back. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool. Why were you learning an accent thing? I took a class in college and it was just fun. I love that kind of stuff. (laughs) I've dabbled in many random things and I love, yeah, accents in general. So as you started to kind of open this conversation for people, right, it started as a joke, it started to become something else. What have been some of the most important and impactful things that you have seen this space bring to people or that Mm -hmm. they have found in this space for themselves? Well, the first thing that came to mind, and from a more selfish point of view, it's really educated myself. Like I hadn't intended for this to be an educational platform or for it to even be sex positive to begin with. It had really just been the pun. And then as it snowballed, I started to educate myself in these things. And and it has been such a learning experience, really just the thing from the community especially just like being involved in that community has opened me up to so many different perspectives and yeah it's just been a complete re-education I I learned about consent through doing this like way later in life when I should have learned a lot earlier but that was the big learning curve for me a lot about identity gender identity sexuality Mm -hmm. and these were all massive revelations for me and that all came from literally just being able to talk to people about it and the community itself was so arms open wide like accepting of everyone and everyone's story and that's what i love today is like people just um comfortable enough to like confide in me and share their stories with me and 
that's been brilliant. But I think just, I don't want to take, I'm not taking credit for this because this is all from like the vulgar positivity movement as well. But I think a massive thing that has come from this is looking at yourself more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people really take the time to look at their own genitals or their vulvas and in a non-sexual context as well. But just that's so important for so many reasons because it's important you look at yourself. So from a health point of view, you know what is your baseline, what is normal for you. So if things change, then you know what's changing and what is your normal. And from another point of view, just seeing how you work, looking at yourself, like people don't grab a mirror. (laughs) People just, they don't do it. But I think the vulva positivity movement has really encouraged people to do that and to just inspect their bodies a little bit more with a, a lot more love, not in a critical light, just observational kind of tone i think that's so important because were you ever taught to do that when you were younger the reason that i started bbxx says no i I don't think it was taught anything Mm, exactly exactly this community like all these organizations yourself included it's driven by people who have not had the right education and want trying to make sure that nobody else is raised like that I always joke that I'm like, I didn't start BBXX because I know everything and yeah. had a great family yeah. and knew what healthy relationships looked mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and knew all these things. It was because I got to this point where I woke up and realized I had been totally lied to by culture and the things mm-hmm. I believed and the things I had, had seen and just knew nothing or the yeah. things that I did know we're all wrong and yeah. woke up to this opportunity to relearn everything and unlearn Which, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to make space for that, that relearning. But yeah. And part of that was, you mentioned kind of sexuality and identity. And that's kind of where my, some of my journey started was exploring sexuality as a way to better understand your own identity. And I think it can be a really, really powerful tool for that. So I think a lot of people come to BBXX for that. And then we like to just leave the door crack open and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just here. We're learning about sex and sexuality. And you say, oh no, come on in. Like, sure, sure, sure. And then we're like, here are all these things about vulnerability and communication and intimacy and connection and take them down a rabbit hole. But I think it's an incredible place for people to start their journey is understanding yourself and your own identity through this lens of sexuality and this relationship too that we touched on earlier. And I've been researching and so I'm going to bring more to the table at our event, but this relationship between creativity and sexuality, that's really fascinating. Yeah. And I think creativity is just a form of communication really with yourself, which again, we don't do often enough. And that, yeah, that's what I'm hoping will come out of this, should I say, but the sculpting tutorial we're going to do, the sculpting workshop is all about that. What art forms do you like? Like, are you a creative person in other ways? Well, it's interesting, you know, how you define, because I know people say, oh, I'm creative or I'm not. I'm definitely the most creative out of my family because certain people in my family would be like, oh, I'm not creative, but it it depends. You know, you can be creative in the way you live your life or in a certain art form. I love that you said creativity is communication with yourself. I actually just started reading only a first chapter of the artist's way. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot about how kind of it's with your relationship with yourself. And what I love to think in general is that when people come to BBXX to learn about relationships, for example, or in learning about creativity, that it's not learning a new skill. It's uncovering something that we, that is human, Mm -hmm. that we're born with, that we have within us, but that we're disconnected from. And it's reconnecting ourselves and diving deeper and like enhancing, embracing and enhancing, expanding that part. And through tapping into it, obviously it becomes much bigger and you can hone that skill. But rather than people thinking, oh, I'm not good at relationships or being creative. It's like, no, just life gets in the way and there's so much noise and you have to get all the obstacles out of the way that are keeping us from being in touch with that part of ourselves that is human and natural and part of us. So I would consider myself a creative person. I was actually worked as a photographer before BBXX. Mm -hmm. I worked in digital media production Mm -hmm. and I do love creativity, but life does get in the way and it's hard if you don't make 
at least for me, and I think this is the same for a lot of people, you have to make space for it, just like your relationships. If you go about your life busy and you're not cutting out time to spend with somebody and to have intimate moments and to have deep conversations, creating the circumstances that allow for that to happen, like, yeah, yeah, your relationship is going to be a lot harder or you're not going to be able to tap into your creativity if you're not setting aside the time, creating the circumstances and mostly just getting rid of all the obstacles. It's not about what you need to do. It's just about the things that you need to stop doing yeah. to allow for that to happen. Bit of self-reflection. And I think there's a, also a challenge, like once you do get into that, if you make time to be creative, even if you're already in the creative industry, let's say, but we set very high standards for ourselves, And I think we lose sight of the purpose of creativity. Yeah, And so much of it can be around oh, it's not good enough. It didn't come out how I want it to look. I'm not professional ceramicist or whatever. But that again is such a shame because you're missing the point. You're missing (laughs) the point. It's so insightful and that's valuable in itself. No, 100%. And I mean, that's about the process, not the outcome. I'm all Mm. about intentions over expectations. People might hear me talk about this all the time. It's like one of my life mottos is Mm. if you're judging things based on the outcome or going into them with expectations, expectations are outcome focused. So if I get into a relationship or start a project and have this clear idea of what it's going to look like exactly, what it's going to be worth, how it's going to turn out, or getting into a relationship, what will happen? A, B, C, D. You don't have control over that other person. You don't have control over if there's a global pandemic, you lose a certain opportunity or things change, whatever it is. What you do have control over is the process and how you go into it. And so if you have intentions going into it to challenge yourself, to learn, to grow, to be open, to not focus on the details, to try and be present. That's what you can control. And that's what's more valuable in the end. Because we look at if a whole journey is from here to here, we only look at this one tiny, tiny point. And one, you'll never make it there without this journey. That's how important that journey is. (laughs) And you're ignoring the vast majority, the 99.9%, they got you there. And that in the end was more important, but sadly, we're not taught to think of it in that way. But yeah, creativity being that same thing and being process focused. And even if the outcome isn't getting you to where you want to go, you might be growing and you as a person and as a creator might be getting closer to where you want to be going. It's a learning experience and even failures or whatever these are yeah valuable so i love failures it's one of my favorite topics it's (laughs) so important and it's that same thing right like it is you literally cannot have success we could get into how we define that without failure they are vital essential foundational building blocks of success and nobody has ever been successful and kind of the bigger you want to succeed the harder you have to fail along the way yeah essentially and again reframing what creativity is or what the outcome is or what success looks like in i myself you know have had to work very hard on doing this and the one of the biggest aha moments perhaps i've ever had was this one time when somebody asked me what percent of the time do you feel successful and I said I don't know you know maybe like 20 percent of the time I feel successful and 80 percent of the time I feel like a failure and I said but what's your definition of success I love operational definitions we can all be having the same think we're having the same conversation and talking about two totally different concepts and they said to me my definition of success is being content with the amount of progress you're making in the direction you want to be going. Oh, oh, so good. (laughs) Cue brain explosion. I was just like, what? Why has nobody ever taught me this before? (laughs) My life would be so different. My opinion of myself, my view of the world would be so different. And those numbers instantly would be flipped. 80% of the time feel successful by that definition and maybe 20% of the time not. And so reframing, and that's what I think is so interesting is people don't realize that it's not 
you have to make all these big changes. Sometimes some biggest changes can come from a tiny mindset shift Mm -hmm. and being part of this conversation, having this exposure to this topic and what Gash Trace is doing. Sometimes huge changes can come from seemingly small things that have this compounding ripple effect and create something so much bigger. And it's that just that shift in that perspective. Yeah, completely. I'm on board. So when you were talking about kind of the your creative process and how you make some of these things, I would love to have you tell us a bit about, you know, how the workshop works, what people do and what some of these points in the workshop where people tend to have these mindset shifts and what some of the most valuable testimonials or comments people have made to you have been. Yes. So in the workshop, we're going to be self-portrait tile making workshop. So whatever genitals you have, we're going to be teaching you sculpting techniques on how to represent yourself in clay, your genitals in clay. So yeah, it's going to be open dialogue throughout. We're just going to be discussing anatomy and our feelings towards our genitals and like when did we first look at them, that kind of thing. But I guess it's a slow process. It's a very like calming process. It's very like focused. And I think that in itself is, I think it's a really healthy process because essentially you have to look at your genitals. You could take a picture or look in a mirror and from my personal experience and from other people telling me, the act of intricately looking at your genitals and spending, it could be upwards of an hour sculpting them if you wanted to, and focusing on each individual line and crease and wrinkle and hair, that act is just so effective in disarming your insecurities because it loses all meaning. Like the image Mm -hmm. loses all meaning. No longer is this your genitals that carries, it can carry history, it can carry trauma. Like now it's just like an image in front of you and you're just following the lines and you become so comfortable with it. Like we did a similar workshop a few years ago and this was pre-COVID. So it was beautiful, a room of 20 people all just sculpting their bulbs together. And um, everyone went to the toilet, looked in the mirror, took a photo. And by the time we were like sculpting away together, we'd all got into the flow of it. People completely forgot and they had their phones on the table with their pictures of their bulbs, <laughs> just everybody out there. And people were looking at each other and going, oh, that's a lovely little, that's so nice, it's so pretty. And she'd be like, oh, yours is cute. And, and just <laughs> it, the atmosphere was so beautiful and so uplifting and it's just becoming more at peace with it really and just more aware of it yeah i i personally really rate it because even i i've done a few portraits of myself in the past and i've done it and it's been like a long process and the act has been so therapeutic and then i've come away and i'm like oh it actually looks nothing like me but and in some ways i I don't it doesn't feel very representative i don't like the look of the sculpture but the act of it of just staring at yourself for that long is just so calming. <laughs> that room sounds magical. And I it was just, beautiful. Like normalizing normalizing yeah, that's it. it. And again, that kind of openness and acceptance and taking something as we talked about earlier, kind of and making it acknowledging this is ordinary in the sense of half the world has this body part. This is the most ordinary, normal, healthy human thing and so being able to look at it almost as this separating ourselves emotionally from it and getting rid of that noise like we were talking about before life gets in the way the noise culture the messages we hear get in the way getting rid of that and just kind of objectively looking at ourselves Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. way where we can create that acceptance or Mm -hmm. almost forget that it's a part of us in order to tap back into it as if we were looking at somebody else and and often we're you know more accepting of other people than we are of ourselves and so looking at it in this way is this ordinary thing yet again like we talked about before it's art we're celebrating it's beautiful Mm -hmm. creating something extraordinary and in the fact that it is so unique yes everybody has one but 
we have our own fingerprint and we are completely Mm -hmm. unique. And so tapping into, I feel like we live in this in-between unhealthy place. And so tapping into those two sides of the spectrum of like the ordinary and the extraordinary and bringing them together to totally reshape. I love this idea of reshaping the clay and reshaping our concepts of ourselves, our body image and our sexuality and self-esteem. Yes. You're a poet, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, our genitals are so like crowded in stigma and insecurity. And I think because of that shame and insecurity, we just tend to avoid them. We tend to not look at them. Yeah. It's not there. And that's just going to perpetuate it. Just take a long, hard look in the mirror. We're keeping, it almost seems as though we're keeping ourselves from a deeper relationship with ourselves through that understanding. First of Mm -hmm. all, if you've never looked at yourself, if you don't even know what you look like. So that awareness, which can lead to acceptance. And so through that deeper intimacy with ourselves, that is, again, the vital ingredient at BBXX. We always talk about how in the end, it's really about that relationship with yourself first. You can only go as deep with other people as you can with ourselves. So if we're keeping ourselves from deeper intimacy, then we're also keeping ourselves from deeper intimacy with everyone else. Yeah, and so tapping into this, yeah, this space with ourselves, I think is an incredible tool. And this is more some of the research that I'll talk about at the event, but how art can be this therapeutic tool in a really unique way, allow for some of these things you talked about, how kind of you lose yourself in it when we're talking, you have to think and you can't always find the words. When you don't have to find the words, one, they talk about how in art therapy, sometimes we're not willing to admit to ourselves or out loud. It might sound silly if we're insecure about our fingernails or belly button or some random part of our body or whatever it is. We might not be willing to admit it or say it out loud. And so art allows us to kind of express those feelings in a nonverbal way. And also I think process and recreate that relationship we have with that body part, for example. And again, reshaping not just what you're creating, but what's in your mind. And as you said, kind of losing yourself in that process and coming out with that different perspective and relationship with ourselves. I think art in that way is a very unique and and powerful tool to Mm -hmm. tap into. Because at the end of it, you get to hang it on a wall. And you get to look at it. That's the best part. And you get to start the conversation with everybody. That is the most important part. We sell these amazing necklaces or beautiful necklaces or Crave Vesper necklaces. And they're also vibrators. Very, very great. If anybody's interested, let us know (laughs) and we'll hook you up. And... It's incredible when you wear that around. People will always ask, is that a pipe? Do you, what is that? Is it like a whistle? Do you keep drugs in there? What is it? And then it's this opportunity. You can either say, oh yeah, it's a necklace or whatever. You don't have to tell people what it is. But when you do, it starts this whole conversation. And the number of people who just as a result of wearing that necklace have opened up to me about different things and told me their stories just because having that there is this symbol that, I am here to create this environment where it is accepting, you are Mm -hmm. welcome, whatever your experience is. It's just this symbol that Mm -hmm. clears that space and clears the air for people to be able to share their stories and feel comfortable joining this conversation. And so I love this symbol of not only do you get to do this workshop, totally transform your relationship with your body and your, you know, body and mind connection. Then you get to walk away with something, a piece of art that celebrates it, and you can go hang it on your wall. And every time people come over, you have this amazing conversation starter to really reinforce the entire beautiful cycle. Yeah, completely. It's fascinating. Like, my dream is to really have these conversations with people outside of the wonderful echo chamber that we're in, but they're almost more in need of the conversation than totally already with us and I was just thinking it just reminded me of I'm every now and do every now and then I do a bit of freelance design for this agency and it's not my usual crowd I go in it's a bunch of men and um, (laughs) middle-aged men I don't bump into many where I am and um, they're all very like (laughs) tight designer crew myself included and um, they're very intimidated by 
gastros and I can see every time that it's brought they'll be like so how's how's work going they won't say the word gastros I'm like oh it's really good and tell them a bit about it and uh, every time I can see that it's like cool 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 and I'll just kind of be a bit shady and like <laughs> and then one time I was they were like so what are you up to at the moment I was like oh, I'm writing a piece on FGM and I was like, okay, okay, like shadily looking away, not really engaging. And then one of them, bless them, was like, what's FGM? Mm. And I, and it sparked this conversation that yeah. they would have never had otherwise. And we had this 40 minute conversation about female genital mutilation and they got so interested and I can see that it was re- it was a lot for them to like break out of it and talk about it but yeah it's up that thing like have it, having that spark that conversation mm-hmm. is just exactly so you good. just need a spark and you can start mm-hmm. a fire everyone's and interested that, exactly and the number of times that I have talked to like older men, older women, but specifically, you know, men in their 70s, 80s, -hmm. about BBXX, about sexuality. Those are sometimes the people most interested and sometimes most accepting and open that, oh my God, me and my wife, this and that, or just this is a global thing. This is so yeah. human. These are conversations people all over the world are waiting to have mm-hmm. and just waiting for the okay to yes. have them. Yes. And this being that that symbol that opens yes. that space and lets them know that it is okay and is that invitation. But exactly, you don't know who it's going to be, what they're going to look like. Everybody can everybody can relate to this. It's the most human thing out there. And so I love creating this symbol and giving people the opportunity to, with their own hands, create themselves and create their own symbol to invite others to join this conversation and turn that spark into a fire. Nice. I can't wait. I can't wait. So everybody, (laughs) we're going to be launching this event. Tickets going on sale for our self-sculpting. You can sculpt yourself if you want a partner, but really leaning into that process of reflecting on yourself literally and figuratively and using this opportunity to take this clay and create, you know, this beautiful tile, create yourself and normalize explore yourself, reflect on your relationship with your own body, what's getting in the way of that, and create these beautiful, beautiful works of art. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Well, everybody stay tuned. We're about to launch sales for tickets. So be on the lookout, follow BBXX, follow Gas Trays, and the event will be May 1st at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. UK time. And it'll probably be the most fun you've had on a Saturday (laughs) this whole pandemic. Let's be real. Make it a brunch thing. Get friends together. Have a group. On Saturday, make it a party. Saturday night in the UK, make it a party. And uh, join us on May 1st, BBXX and Gas Trays for exploring sexuality and creativity through our workshop, Sex Ed and Ceramics. Yay! Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to share some of your story. And I can't wait. Looking forward to it. See you soon. Thanks again for tuning in and be sure to follow us on Instagram at bbxx.world for exciting updates and even more fantastic content. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, shoot us a text at 1-415-888-4742 or shoot us an audio, which we love, at that same number on WhatsApp. I'm your host, Sasha Laurie, and remember, I'm always here learning a ton myself right along with you.